The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, on the hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the buffs on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about the stretch. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing, that's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretch with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan. So when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw the bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Big Gretch. Yeah. 
everybody this is the Tom Sumner program I guess this hour is a substance abuse expert he has um, experienced uh, addiction himself and I'm stalling here while I turn the pages um, He's a crisis coach and former addict with over 35 years of experience working with individuals and families across all socioeconomic spectrums. And um, he's written uh, some books, uh, including The Opioid Epidemic. And uh, now he's looking at, um, we're talking about the impact of Narcon. Uh, as a way to fight opioid addiction and death, or or at least death from opioid uh, overdoses. Anyway, here to join me uh, by phone from San Diego, Scott Silverman. Scott, good morning and welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Tom thanks very much. Nice to be here. And thanks for getting up early to do this. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, I had two options, and I chose the early one. So and then I realized that you're on the East Coast, so uh, no worries. I'll watch the sunrise. How about that? There you go. There you go. And it's probably coming up pretty soon out there, I would think. Tell me about opioid addiction. We've been talking about it for at least 10 years and encouraging uh doctors to avoid prescribing it, trying to discourage people from using it, looking for alternatives for pain management, and yet the crisis continues. What's what's the problem there? Why why are we having such a difficult time steering away from opioid use and and abuse? Well, a couple of things are are happening simultaneously. One, the and I think doctors, if you will, the medical professional field, pharmacies, uh, big pharma. I mean, clearly, with this major you know lawsuit uh, over Purdue, uh, you know, and OxyContin and the Sackler family, the last few years, you can't really not be aware that it's become you know uh, um, it's not it's certainly not a tabletop conversation but uh, you know most pharmacies now most doctors now are not over prescribing like they were before and you know between the AMA American Medical Association the DEA the, the DOJ and the court system and malpractice and the insurance companies you know th- there's been a major shift but what's happening today you know in 2022 is the fentanyl use and consumption and the accidental overdose is just skyrocketed and what i mean by that is medication illicit drugs are laced today at a very high percentage meaning this the if you're not buying a, a prescription from 
a licensed pharmacist and you're getting it illicitly or you're buying it on the street, if you will, there's a high probability that fentanyl is laced in it. And the reason for that is fentanyl is highly addictive and it's very inexpensive to, to manufacture and it's very inexpensive to purchase and, and drug dealers see it as a hook, sort of speak. So we're seeing this, you know, perfect storm where young people are at parties taking what they perceive as a prescription pill that someone got from someone else, but unfortunately it's counterfeit medication. So we're seeing a lot of deaths and overdoses because of it, and it seems to continue. CDC just released the count of over 107,000 last year, and the increased percentage in communities right now is dramatic, double and triple digits in some cases. Scott, the the counterfeit prescription drugs that are laced with fentanyl, are they being packaged as a complete counterfeit package so they look like pills that came from the drugstore? Yeah. Well, I think I heard you say that the counterfeit manufactured prescription drugs, what they, what the prescription manufacturers are not manufacturing it, but what pill counterfeit pill makers are doing is yes, they're absolutely making for example, Xanax has probably one of, been one of the more popular delivery systems. Yes, yeah, Scott, and when I said that I meant counterfeited as prescription drugs, not by uh <laughs> big pharma or I don't want yeah, I don't want big pharma calling me uh you know yeah, that, or or they, Walgreens. Yeah. I, I didn't mean to give yeah. that impression and thank you no, for no, making that, it more okay. clear. I, you know, I, uh, uh, I but the idea hard. was are, are are these counterfeits um complete i mean not just do the pills look like the pills you might get from a legitimate they, pharmacist they're identical the packaging um, the yeah, the pill well, bottles they don't, they don't, you know they don't whatever. come in, they don't, counterfeit medication doesn't come the traditional way you might expect medication to come but the pills because you can get a a, a pill making machine and you can adjust it so what they're doing is they're for example Xanax Xanax was one of the more popular ones, just because it's it's one of the more popular medications that people take. So and because people to, saw it on TV. Exactly. Well, and <laughs> you know what? And and America, America is a rather large pill-consuming uh, country. So they they took a popular pill, and they you, you get pill-making machines, and you basically manufacture it with whatever materials you have. So yes, it does look identical. And when you look at some of the pictures, when you Google counterfeit medication, it's amazing. You know, Oxycontin was probably the first one because that was the most prescribed pain opioid in, in the world. And, and then to give you an example, in 2016, the company Purdue, which had the, the patent on it, manufactured and helped deliver to pharmacies which and doctors, which then wrote over 260. 60 million prescriptions of it and just 2016 that's six years ago and there are you know implications that over half of those doses still sit in medicine cabs and those are you know quality controlled quality assured you know manufactured by purdue sent to pharmacies and pharmacies distributed but when as that inventory starts to diminish the bootleggers, if you will, or the counterfeiters are now making things that look just like it, but they're lacing it with fentanyl because fentanyl gets the consumer much more uh, addicted more quickly 
assuming the consumer survives a potential overdose because fentanyl is poison. Well, in a lot of the public service announcements and and some of the media coverage trying to discourage uh, uh, opioid uh, abuse, there's this this image that young people are raiding grandma's medicine cabinet. How much of it is that and how much of it is this counterfeiting that you're describing? That's a great question, and it's really hard to define it because when, you know, most of the data today comes from the medical examiner. You can't really tell if it was a prescription opioid someone took or counterfeit unless the autopsy provides other chemicals that are in the system, which it could tell. But you don't know if someone took it separately or it was basically put together in a counterfeit medication. I would say in the last five years, the medicine cabinet, the rating of the medicine cabinet has started to slow down because the, the, the inventory, if you will, is diminishing. So people are going to replace it. There are people, for example, who have suffered from tremendous pain who now cannot get the level of dosage they had before legally, so they're going to illicit drugs themselves or they're switching over to heroin to help deal with some of their pain. And, you know, anytime I do an interview like this, you know, and I'd love to give out my number if you allow me at some point. And, sure. and they call me and go, you know, I've had oxycotton for the last 15 years for my pain, and my doctor won't give it to any, me anymore. And, and they're telling me that they don't have a replacement, and they're suggesting I take ibuprofen. What am I supposed to do? I said, it's a great question, and I'm sorry this is happening to you, but unfortunately the way it works is, you know, we, you know the FDA finds out that, AMA finds out, investigations show, the industry shifts the other way. And, and I tell you, it's a major problem right now. There's a, you know, we serve veterans in our organization, San Diego College of Recovery, and a lot of veterans, because of injuries, if you will, or untreated trauma or PTSD, have, you know, gotten pain medication. And they're addicted to it now, and it, they can't replace it. There's nothing quite like oxycontin unfortunately out there and the counterfeit medication is dangerous so i i don't know if i could give you a percentage and be accurate and i think it's but i think it's important to know that all the trends are the majority of illicit medication today the majority has some level of fentanyl laced in it so if you're picking up a pill that didn't come from a pharmacy the odds are it may have fentanyl in it and, and that's where, you know, I really, when I talk to families, inform them to inform their children or have them call me. We talk about it because if you're at a party, like, you know, and everyone wants to party, and I don't think anyone shouldn't, but if somebody says, hey, you got to try one of these, don't worry, it came from my grandma's medicine cabinet, but it didn't, you could die. That's what we're reading about in the paper, Tom. Yeah, ex- yeah. More about opioid abuse and the importance of Narcan with um, substance abuse expert from San Diego, Scott Silverman. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Say, objection. Hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just, um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about opioid abuse and the importance of Narcan with um, substance abuse expert from San Diego, Scott Silverman, straight ahead. I'm curious about a couple of different things, and and I'll, I'll just go down this path first, is um, the addictive property of fentanyl, is that contributing to using the drug more and increasing doses to the point where it becomes um, a, a an overdose problem? Fentanyl is approximately 50 times uh, stronger than heroin. So to answer your question simply, Yes, if a if a illicit medication that someone's taking has fentanyl in it, there's a high probability if the dose has been manufactured without quality assurance is a much higher percentage of toxicity than the average pill might be. And because fentanyl is so strong, it's not only highly addictive, but it also because it's poison, it kills almost more people than it addicts, if you will. That's why we're seeing this high level of overdoses because fentanyl is just so, so dangerous. And it takes a small dose to kill the average person that takes it. And the the other part on our way to talking about Narcan is I've, I've talked to a couple of doctors and I think a dentist or two who have been exploring different um, alternatives to pain management, aside from just saying, well, take a couple ibuprofen and call me in the morning. Right. Um, it, why hasn't that been more aggressively pursued, necessitating the the need to um, uh, look for ways to, to combat uh, overdoses? Well, I think I think, you know, look, you know, it's interesting when people start to, and I've been in meetings for years where they try to point the finger to say who's responsible, you know, is it the doctor, is it the pharmacy, is it the insurance company, is it the farm, is a big pharma that makes the pill? Well, you know, and here's the thing, everyone has gotten um, educated, hopefully now, and they're starting, not starting, they're realizing, I think it's happened just so quickly, there wasn't time. And I don't think anybody saw this coming. And when you think about it, substituting an, a, a strong dose of, of an opioid, pharmaceutically manufactured opioid, and then replacing it with something that can provide the same level of pain eradication, I'm not sure the science is there yet. Meaning they've been on this track for 20 years no one really thought they'd ever stop prescribing oxycontin and then all of a sudden the studies come out you know recently we've all heard you know you know well you you know you sound like you're over 30 and like i am you know we we were told take an aspirin you know every day for the heart and now all of a sudden the studies have come out and said stop doing that it's harmful long term so i think it's just a matter of you know the pendulum swinging now and there aren't a lot of replacements but up until about four years ago, any time I heard a pain doctor talk at a presentation, their recommendation was yoga. They didn't even suggest ibuprofen. They just said yoga for your pain. And it's like people in the room, you could hear them shift, you know, especially if they were uh, prescribing MDs. They're going, wait a minute, what? 
I've got it because there are pain man- management doctors out there whose sole practice was the sole use of Oxycontin, different dosing. So they didn't have a replacement. I don't even know what they're doing right now. I mean, clearly, if somebody is a bona fide you know, client with pain issues, I'm sure that they're, they're still prescribing it, but they're monitoring it a whole different way, and they're not certainly not giving the doses out that they used to because their associations are telling them not to. And, you know, the FDA says don't do it, and CDC says don't do it. So they're not. But there's no replacement that I've heard of yet that they're, they're you know, there's conversations right now, I hate to even say this, about uh, marijuana. Oh, you're, you're, you're reading my mind, Scott. I was just going to ask about, <laughs> you know, uh, the effectiveness of, of CBD, because we are hearing a lot of conversation about what it will cure and how it will manage pain, these different variations of CBD. Is that just wishful thinking? Well, I think, you know, look, if, and I'm one of those people, you know, I was a poly drug user. Uh, I'm in long-term recovery. I'm a former unlicensed pharmacist. So I, I look at this from a different perspective. I, I like that, age. unlicensed. Yeah. <laughs> re, re, retired, Tom, retired. My daughter's tells me yeah, I should Yeah, but say I, that. I saw what you did there. Yeah, thank you. So it, I think that people are just trying to find ways. And, and look, marijuana is a has served medical marijuana has served as a great tool. And to my, in my opinion, look, I'm in the treatment business. And I say that because it is a business because it's, I'm, my competition is the drug distributor. That's my competition. And what I try to do is intervene on that and get people access to treatment where they can manage their addiction differently and hopefully build a path to abstinence. So marijuana, I think, has, uh, it, the studies aren't complete yet, but I think it's a great tool and that could be addressed. I mean, especially with seizures and, and for different forms of cancer and there's a variety of other issues it can be used for. Is it an opioid replacement? No, but can it be used as one? I think people are using it right now. People, meaning medical professionals, uh, addiction specialists, are suggesting people, you know, if they can't process the pain through yoga um, or ibuprofen, that marijuana might be a great alternative but the problem is marijuana, you know, THC is a whole different drug than an opioid. And I don't, you know, it might disguise the pain, but, you know, and there are a lot of experts that say pain is in the brain. So obviously if you numb the brain, you don't feel the pain. Why not? I mean, I'd rather see somebody feel better than suffer. Does that make sense? It makes absolute sense. And and I was wondering something when you were talking about uh, people who might still be, uh, uh getting prescriptions for oxycontin for example um is it possible to use oxycontin responsibly if if it's managed well by the by the user and you know by the the caregiver the the medical professionals i i'd, I'd like to say that the the real answer is yes but unfortunately it's been abused for by so many and look you know this whole issue about how did people get prescription drugs out on the street? Caregivers were one of the biggest culprits. I mean, I run an organization called the Safe Homes Coalition, which is a, its mission is to help educate families on how to dispose of unsafe and unused medication. And we've seen the stories, and we partnered a few years ago with the San Diego Association of Realtors to educate homeowners 
to be very careful about their prescription drugs because people were coming to open houses, going to the medicine cabinets, and stealing the Oxycontin. Yeah. I, I mentioned um, Narcan at the beginning, or Narcan, I'm not even sure how you pronounce it, but I've been reading about it for a while, and and it seems like a magic bullet for um, overdoses. Is it? And, and how does it get used to effectively thwart overdose deaths? Well, there's a medication in, in it. It's called naloxone. And naloxone is the actual medication that uh, generates the opioid overdose reversal. Narcan is a company that manufactures a dispensing system. It's like a nasal spray. So what they do is they get the naloxone and they put it into this applicator, uh, and then people use that to you know push it into someone's nose, like just like a nasal spray. And that's that's the Narcan delivery system. Naloxone. Um, has been around for quite some time, and I understand there's a new company that, that, that I, I can't discuss because they, they won't let me, has come out with a new uh, delivery system that uh, has twice the dose of naloxone to help with the overdoses. Because if somebody has taken too high a dose, sometimes it takes one or two or three actual applications, and there's only so much in each one. And most people, I mean, I carry Narcan in my car because I'm passionate about, you know, if I ever have a, an opportunity to help save a life, you know, if you will, because it comes up a lot. And in our, in our community, the Sheriff's Department uh, had uh, that system on board. They used to, it used to be, naloxone used to come in an, in an injection, and they, you know, they just, the FDA just wouldn't allow the average person to walk around with a syringe full of naloxone, so Narcan created this system. And it's the only, naloxone is the only medication that reverses an overdose. It doesn't block the opioid, but what it does is it saves a life. And I, I believe that that most um, ambulances in in Michigan are carrying it, and I and I think uh, police are as well. Um, but you suggest that this is something that you or I could carry around and and wouldn't have to worry about. Uh, you know, injections and injection sites and, and all that sort of stuff. It's something that uh, non-professionals can use. Is it very accessible? What's what's the price? Well, there, was a, there was a real, you know, de- demand for it last year, and the supply was really getting, um, they were having difficulty getting the product out, and I think that this new company that's coming out is going to really push it out. But you're right, EMTs, um, first responders, obviously, you know, uh, ERs carry it. I mean, there was, there's been a big push for for many years now with big advocates to put the, uh, and I'm going to call it an opioid overdose reversing medication in schools because that's really where you can educate. But you can't just walk into a Walgreens or a CVS or a Costco or a big box store and buy it, you know. And and there is a 30 minute training that one should have just so you don't, you know, inject it. But the, 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 the nicest thing about this particular drug is, according to everything I've heard, you can't give someone too much of it, and it won't hurt anybody, meaning it's a great tool, 
and it's the only tool, which is why you're seeing all the, you know, ambulances and the fire department and first responders carrying it with them. Because in many times, though, if they get someone who's taken too much um, opioids, and that it could be you know, heroin, it could be oxy, it can be fentanyl, they have to sometimes give two and three doses because what's happening is more and more people are getting a highly more toxic dose of uh, illicit drugs. So you have to be prepared for it. You should really potentially. I mean, I, I know families who have gotten it, and it's it's not really inexpensive, but you can get it because they've got a son or a daughter. I was going to ask sp- specifically about families and and. Uh spouses, people that are close to people that they suspect or know are using drugs that could become dangerous and could be um, setting them up for a potential overdose situation if they can be prepared in that way, if it's cost prohibitive um, and if it's accessible. Is it, it sounds like it's kind of a challenge to, to get it, even if you well, you, you can, but in some states, I think you have to have a prescription for it. I don't think it's sold over the counter yet, but generally in larger communities, there's usually some community-based organization that's a big advocate for, you know, education and avoiding overdoses and they have a supply of it or your local county or municipality has access to it as well. So if, if you want to get it, you can, you can get it. It could be gotten. There's no doubt about it, but you really, you want to get educated on it. And, and the lock zone is a tool because it's not one of those things that if you see somebody overdosing, you throw them in the back of your car, they're more than likely never going to make it to the emergency department. That's the problem. It's well, and that's and fentanyl. that's been the the real uh, underlining uh, factor in um, support for and and uh, the development uh, of usage of Narcan. Correct. You know, I I have this new acronym. You know, everybody likes pie, right? Prevent, <laughs> and this is my my new thing. I'm I'm launching in June. Prevent, inform, and educate. Because if a family's going to have, it feels like they have to go to the, you know, the lengths to go get Narcan to have at home, they're, they're assuming that if their son or daughter overdoses, they'll be home. And a lot of people, you know, they're not home. They're out, they're out somewhere else. I, I'm going to give you an example. One of my colleagues and I who do a podcast together called Ending the Stigma shared a story with me with a good friend of his, a female uh, in 50, I believe. And she was going to go to this concert. And she hadn't been to a concert in 10 years and it was one of her favorite bands and she decided this is the story he's telling me he's heard that she wanted to do a little cocaine before she went kind of you know going back to the old days and that cocaine was laced with fentanyl Mm -hmm. and she died before she ever left the house so that's the problem today is fentanyl is being infused or laced in almost any drug you can think of, vaping pipes, marijuana, cocaine, heroin, and blend, you know, and obviously with the counterfeit medication, anything from vitamin C to ibuprofen to Xanax, anything you can think of. And people are smoking it as well. So that's the problem. Scott, that's why is, are, the, are the so-called illicit drugs today and even though there's a much kinder, gentler attitude toward marijuana, I'm including marijuana in that, are they more potent 
and more dangerous than they were in our day oh my 30 God, yes. 40 50 years ago I, I'll give you an example. I, I was just on this <laughs> seminar nationally the other day, and I got in trouble because someone said to me, that's impossible. And I said, look it up. The, the, <laughs> THC, the, the THC content, you know, I, I'm 68. So when I was smoking marijuana, the THC content was 2 3 4%. Yeah, I'm right behind you. So okay. we're, so we're contemporaries. In today's world, you know, you know and I'm going to broaden my my scope because you know i really i got reprimanded by the host of the the seminar of the webinar rather so it's it's north it can be north of 30 percent and can get go as high go as high as 85 and 90 percent and the only reason i know that is because i've heard from people that i'm close with in the the criminal justice system who track this and medical examiners who share this in the meeting, I'm in the Prescription Drug Abuse Task Force, Methamphetamine Task Force. I run a treatment center. I'm an interventionist, and I'm in recovery. So between one of those circles, I'm getting enough information that, you know, even if it's only anecdotal, it's pretty extreme. And methamphetamine used to have, you know, maybe a 9 or 10 or 12% potency level and with, with the main ingredients that make it addictive it's north also being made now. And they, and they say this because they get it in the labs after they do tox reports on people who have expired and blood work off of people that are arrested. And they say that's north of 80%. And interestingly enough, Tom, and in, another phenomenon is 10 years ago, for example, a pound of methamphetamine was around $12,000. A pound of methamphetamine today in a city like Los Angeles, you know, because we're a border town, and most of it's made in the, the super labs in Mexico, you can buy a pound of methamphetamine for $1,200. Hmm. So it's 10 times more potent, and it's 10 times less costly. And so with that perfect storm, that creates a real problem for someone who's predisposed to having uh, addictive behaviors, taking drugs and getting addicted, and staying addicted until they get treatment and help and or die. Well, Scott, we are almost out of time, but a couple of things I, I want to touch on. One, I want to congratulate you on being honored on February 19th for the city of San Diego's Scott Silverman Day. Yeah, that was that was exciting. And now every year somebody calls me from high school and reminds me I owe them 20 bucks. So that's, uh, <laughs> no, it was it was a real honor to be honored by the city and the city council and the mayor and my my family was there and, and that was actually a long time ago. Was it was it a, the, was it a one-off or, or is it an annual event? Or or well, maybe it's, it's my it's my day, you know. It's kind of like once you're a dad, you're always a dad, you know, once you get into gotcha. you know, uh, you have a weight problem. You always have a weight problem. So it, it's kind of like that, but it's it, it's a you know serendipitous uh, honor, and you know it, it isn't made public every year, and there isn't a list or a club, but it's an honor. So I, I think of it as a lifetime honor, and I'm you know I don't I don't dance on the nineteenth of February because actually twentieth is my birthday. So and I'm just happy that in my age I can still remember that. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Well, I just wanted to say congratulations. I, I had a similar honor once, and and I I know it that it's maybe not a big deal, but it's a big deal. Yeah, you know what was your <laughs> what was your what was your honor, Tom? Share that with us. 
Uh, Tom Sumner Day, 423, April 23rd, for the radio show, actually. Oh, good for you. Anyway, um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about, good resources for research, um, but also where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. And You mentioned you wanted to share your phone number, but I also wonder if you have a, a website that you'd like to share and, and any Absolutely. resources that you'd like to recommend. Well, well, let me make it easy for people. First of all, I'm available. My my phone number is, I'm going to give you the, my headline and my website. My phone number is area code 619-993-2738. 619-993-2738. Scott H. Silverman, if you Google me like that, you can find me anywhere. And my website is yourcrisiscoach.com. Yourcrisiscoach.com. Com, one word. But if you just Google my name, you can find my number. And I really encourage people to call, Tom. I, you know, I, I always get critiqued about, why would you give out your number? And I said, well, I'm kind of passionate about helping save lives and not go to funerals, so I'd rather have someone call me and talk about it, and I'll help them navigate and point to where they can get resources in their community versus going to someone's funeral. Well, Scott, once again, I want to thank you for getting up early and taking a little time to talk with me and share your expertise with me and the listeners. And uh, I I encourage you, uh, it it doesn't sound like you need a lot of encouragement, but I encourage you nonetheless to keep up the good work. I I can't help myself, Tom. It's part of my my compulsive obsessive behavior, you know, as a hopeless helper. Uh, I'm not stopping until we've created some sort of systemic change and reduce the stigma because I don't want to personally go to any more funerals. So I encourage people to call me. Well, Scott, you take care. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate the opportunity. Bye-bye. Once again, uh, that was, um, let's see, how how should I describe him? Uh, Well, he's, um, let's call it... uh, substance abuse expert Scott Silverman and uh, with that we're going to take a short break we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead old fashioned radio for a new Generation Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com From the Tom Oh, yeah. 
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage? Basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov slash vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days price swings of 30 or 48 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney Generaling! We got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at Michigan 
gov slash ag put those away we're at a gas station this is u.s senator gary peters and you're listening to the tom sumner program welcome to this presentation of the comedy spotlight on the tom sumner program i would like to take you to the opera where you are going to hear a mozart opera which is nothing but an opera written by Mozart. <laughs> this is an opera in one act, and it begins when the curtain rises. Otherwise, you couldn't see a thing. <laughs> the stage setting is a kind of a forest. There are two large trees, which, of course, indicates the forest. It's a kind of a small forest, but it's a forest. <laughs> First, the tenor comes in. He is supposed to meet his soprano, as they usually call those ladies. But she's a little late this particular season, so he hides himself behind one of the trees in order to surprise her when she comes in a little later, which she does. So when she arrives, she can't find him because he is occupied behind one of the trees. Now, he's with a knife carving her name into the <laughs> scenery. Now, she doesn't know that he is there, but, uh, well, as a matter of fact, she must know it because she saw it during rehearsals. <laughs> Either she pretends that she doesn't know it or she's just plain stupid. Or <laughs> whatever it is, she gets across the stage somehow and takes place behind the other tree, which, for the occasion, hides her. <laughs> to a certain extent. Now, the chorus comes in, but nobody knows why, except Mozart, and he is dead. <laughs> and that's just too bad. Next, your father comes in, and he is a very old man, Primarily because she's a very old soprano. <laughs> and he is very angry because apparently she is not his daughter. Now, this has nothing to do with the opera. I found that out myself. <laughs> and that's what we call research. Anyway, he decides that he has had enough of her, so he tells her to die, and that's exactly what she's going to do. <laughs> and with that, the opera ends, and people can go home. Now I take you to the opera house, where you hear the conductor's footsteps when he enters the orchestra pit. Here he comes. Yeah, he walks sideways. <laughs> and this is the overture. <laughs> This, ladies and gentlemen, was the first part of the overture. Now you hear the second part, and that's exactly the same. little bloop is an extra bloop we have in case we shoot one shot of bloops 
But that has never happened, so we have a lot of bloops left over. <laughs> now the curtain rises and the tenor arrives. He's a little tall fellow, he comes in. <laughs> he comes in from the left in a single file. He goes behind the tree right away. <laughs> now the leading lady arrives. She is supposed to fill the part of the soprano. Now she not only fills it, she overflows it a little bit. <laughs> She's a big husk, a big, uh, uh, she's a big soprano, that's what she is. She's what we call a messy soprano. She comes in in a single pile. She also arrives backwards, but nobody notices the difference. She goes behind the other tree. She can hardly wait because... Uh, see, she is... She supposedly hasn't... She hasn't met him for a long time, so she is just... She's anxious. Now is the time for the chorus. The light is dimmed, so you can hardly see these people when they arrive, and that's why they're dressed in a kind of cheap underwear. Because there is no reason to spend a lot of money for costumes when you can't see them. Right? And that's the way the, way the management of this theater feels about it, and that's the way it's gonna be. <laughs> Here they come. Bread and butter. Now they're all in and they fool around in the dark for a little while. This is a mixed chorus. Bread and butter. Now they're out, they get the money and go home. Next, a baritone comes in and sings, Toreador, Toreador. But he finds out that he's in the wrong opera. Now, the father comes in, the old man, and he is the basso. Hit it, 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 hit it
almost now told her what he had to say and she understands him quite well so now she prepares herself to die but before she dies she sings an area the so-called die area <laughs> She seems very happy about it. She dies by stabbing herself between the two big trees. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Alexander Zajic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 